Welcome to the New York City Parks COVID Oral History Project podcast. Our subject is the history of the COVID-19 pandemic and the response and activities of New York City Parks. Our hosts are Diana Baker and Kevin Fitzpatrick. This is episode number 10, Trees. Hello, Kevin. We are back in Green Williamsburg, Brooklyn at the McCarran Play Center in the Media Education Lab. Our all-parky team is using the Media Lab to share our history with listeners, presenting some of the more than 100 interviews conducted last year about the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, our guests all work with trees and green space. Jennifer Greenfeld, Deputy Commissioner for Environment and Planning. Jillian Neve, Communications Liaison for Forestry, Horticulture, and the Natural Resources Group. Franklin Sosa Velasquez. Forestry Supervisor, Leah Tali, Stewardship Community Coordinator, and Philip Walker, Park Supervisor. Hello to all of the new listeners and subscribers. Thanks for finding us and sharing our podcast with your friends. We have a great show for you all today. Hi, Diana. Are you familiar with the poem Trees by New York City poet Joyce Kilmer? Yes. Which opens, I think I shall never see a poem lovely as a tree a tree whose hungry mouth is pressed against the earth's sweet flowing breast. Kilmer lived in Inwood, and if the name sounds familiar, Parks honors him with Joyce Kilmer Park and Tot Playground on the Grand Concourse in the Bronx, Joyce Kilmer Square on Kings Highway in Homecrest, Brooklyn, and he has a healthy tree memorial in Central Park next to Sheep Meadow. Sadly, Kilmer was killed in World War I in France with the Fighting 69th Regiment, but what he wrote about the majesty of trees a tree that may in summer wear a nest of robins in her hair is what our show is all about today, trees and forestry. Well, that's the first poem on the podcast. <laughs> New York City has more than 5.2 million trees on city parkland. Our agency has jurisdiction over all trees growing in the public right-of-way, including trees along streets, parkways, and in city parks. Within parks, the Forestry Division are responsible for the maintenance of our nearly 600,000 street trees. On our debut show, I called Staten Island the greenest borough because that's what it looks like from the air. Even though Queens has the most trees mapped, our website, nyc.gov forward slash parks, has a tree map of the urban forest. And today we're going to hear from those who devote their jobs to trees and the natural environment. During the pandemic, as we have said in other episodes, the maintenance of parks had to continue, even when the parkland was empty or crowded during the height of the global pandemic. I'd like us to start with a little bit of the 411 on parks, or if you're reporting a tree concern, Diana, dial 311. Because when I joined parks, I was clueless how the agency handles more than 5 million trees. There is a division of environment and planning that oversees all trees. In our first show, we heard from Staten Island Forestry, because every borough has a different tree team. There's also Central Forestry out in Queens, which takes the calls of trees that need help. Parks has the stewardship team, and all boroughs have maintenance and operation crews, which has every tool from chainsaws to cherry pickers to stay focused on trees and parks. Our team went out and interviewed anyone connected to trees. Trees are so visible. You can tell the changing seasons on our streets by what the trees along the sidewalks look like. You can orient yourself when you come up from the subway sometimes by where the park trees are. And in some corners of New York, 
such as the forests around the Bronx River Parkway, some of those trees have been there since the Dutch were walking around. Trees are the backgrounds of our favorite photos and memories. It's what makes New York City look different than Phoenix. The classic book is called A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, not A Bridge Was Built in Brooklyn. In mapping out this project, we thought a show just talking about trees would be a good example of one group of parkies with a singular vision, and that is a greener, greater New York City. We started with the woman whose job it is for this work, Deputy Commissioner Jennifer Greenfeld, who runs the Division of Environment and Planning. She is a 25-year parkie who literally wrote the book on this subject, New York City Trees, which you can find on Amazon. We met her on the roof of the arsenal in Central Park, sitting under a tree. We first asked her about what this division does. We are the division that manages Parks' nature portfolio. So street trees, uh, park trees, natural areas, and um, which includes forests and wetlands, but also we look at strategic planning for the entire park system to think about access, where do we need new parkland, how do we manage access to existing parkland. Um, so a host of different sort of, that's the planning side of things. Right. And we also do sort of coastal resiliency planning. The previous two years, I mean, how was your role different? Um, you mean during the time of yes. COVID? Well, uh, as soon as COVID hit, I feel like I went into emergency management mode and um, we are used to that because our division, one of the things our division does is we actually lead uh, storm, um, uh, storm response when there are forestry events in the city. So after Sandy, after Tropical Storm Isaias, so we have this kind of sense of how do you gear up when you have an emergency. Um, and it felt like I was going into that mode. So we had, um, so m my role changed. I feel like primarily I, I did a very quick pivot to intensively taking care of my staff. And unlike a lot of other people in the agency, we're not, except for a few people, we're not on the front lines with the public. And, um, and so I didn't have to think about that aspect of it as much as how do I keep my folks safe, take care of them, keep them working because we were the city, we need to continue to provide services. And our work did continue. We were, we're still open for business. We're still getting calls about trees. We're still getting, you know, there's erosion issues that continue regardless of what's happening with COVID. So we had to figure out how to do our regular job. Um, and keep people safe. So that that was my main shift, I think. What are the people like that work under you? What are they like? Um, I mean, they are working for the Parks Department because they believe in the mission. You know, most of the people who work for me, they're either planners or went to school to think about planning and parks, or they're natural resources professionals who, again, they're career goals in life are to care for nature and many of them in urban environments many not so they're very committed to what we do and they have a lot of energy there's definitely a social aspect to the work like they really enjoy the community of people they work with um, they like being outside and um, yeah super committed what do you tell your team? What was your initial reaction to say to your team? 
I don't know exactly, but I'm sure it was something like, we're gonna get facts, we're gonna get take care of you. We're a science-based team, right? We take science and make management decisions about that. So that's what this is about. We're gonna learn about it. We're gonna give you good information. We'll be transparent. We're gonna try to help you get through each question, each issue you have as soon as we know it. And there's a lot of uncertainty, but you just have to sort of give us a chance. And that was sort of my message almost every day for weeks and weeks. From that division focused on the big picture, we're going out to Flushing Meadows Corona Park to the Olmstead Center that is in the shadow of City Field. This is where Central Forestry is located and where we met New York native Jillian Neve, who joined Park six years ago and is the communications liaison. She's from Brooklyn and recalled the way her team had to reinvent how they operated during the COVID era. What's Central Forestry? Um, Central Forestry is a division within the NYC Parks Agency, and we um, handle mostly just forestry, horticulture, and natural resource um, services for the city. Um, so that includes planting trees, um, repaving sidewalks that were ramped up from tree roots, um, as well as wetlands, natural areas, and um, kind of like that sort of work. Are there very many street trees? Yes, it's in the, the, the hundreds of thousands. Yes, yeah, so, um, so we're very busy here at Central Forestry just trying to preserve and, and also just expand the urban tree canopy here. Is Central Forestry tracking the trees or are they repairing the trees and maintaining the trees? Yeah, we're tracking the trees. Um, we are, you know, doing our best to to conserve all of the trees. You know, our, our permits and plan review team here tries to uh, be heroes and, and fight against um, the developers that are that are developing New York City and um, charging them restitution if they have to remove trees. But mostly just trying to be creative. Um, and work with them to, to save the existing trees where they're trying to develop near. Um, but you know, that's you know, a very different, it's very different than the, what our street tree planting team does, which is just try and plant as many street trees as, as possible and within the city right away. The message went out to, we were gonna shut down for two weeks. What happened with, with your role? What did you do? Um, well, when we found out at Central Forestry that we were going to be working remote, um, it was, I think it was March 15th, which was a Wednesday. Um, and I remember it being really stressful. And, you know, our um, chief of staff like brought us into a conference room, probably no bigger than this. And we all like <laughs> shoved like 20 people in here and she was like trying to give us directions on how to, uh, double hop in and, and, um, and all of that. But I um, had to find a way to communicate to the public what was happening um, for the employees that we were working with um, and also to communicate that the work and the services that we would normally be providing was going to be um, changing. Like we were receiving different pieces of information every day from our commissioner at the time and um, you know we have to communicate to the public every day about the tree that's going to be planted in front of their house or the sidewalk that's going to be repaired and 
you have to manage that with like contractors being safe. And how was your, how was your job changing during the lockdown? It changed dramatically. Well, first of all, I didn't have the the personal technology to to really do my job in a lot of ways. I was sent home with like a small tablet, um, and I had to use my personal laptop that was like a ten year old Mac. So I was like, please don't break. And then it broke. <laughs> so, but at that point, they had, they gave us um, laptops to work from, but. Between um, you know working with my supervisor and my other communications liaison at the time, we managed to still respond to um, like 85 percent of the correspondence we received, which is like something that I'm so proud of us for figuring out creative solutions with a technology barrier and you know not having enough information to really, tell constituents, um, we, we still managed to, to keep in touch with people, which they you know, completely deserve when, when it's really a scary time. You're a native New Yorker. <laughs> what are you seeing in the city that spring of 2020? What, what are you eyewitness to? Let's see, so at the time where, when the pandemic hit, I was living in Bushwick, which is in Brooklyn. Um, and that was a scary time because a lot of people in that neighborhood got sick. So I witnessed, you know, people in in full like HVAC suits taking um, bodies out of apartments and putting them into ambulances. And um, yeah, that was really scary. And it, it definitely made me really scared to leave my apartment. Um, so I, I witnessed that. I. Just on a personal note, I had family members pass away in the very early stages of the pandemic, and that was really sad too. Close family? Yeah, my mom's cousin, my mom's first cousin, who we were close with, um, passed away. So, yeah, it was. Were you able to have a funeral? Were you able to do anything? No, no, it was really awful. And I'm of the Jewish faith, so we couldn't even like sit Shiva together, which we normally would have. Um, and it, it just happened so fast and it was, yeah. So I was able to like take a day off of work and, and talk to my boss about that, but it was, it was really devastating because we had just seen him like a few months before that. He was so happy to retire and he saved all of his money to retire and travel and um, him and his wife were so excited and yeah so it was just managing like the crazy workload with with uh, just like personal anxieties and fear. Jillian is one of many many I spoke to who lost someone close to them during the pandemic. It came up in so many interviews the losses that we all knew about. We all know someone who died. I know I got a phone call every day the first week of April in 2020. Someone calling me to tell me that somebody had died. And by the end of the week, the phone would ring and I would just look at it. I didn't want to answer it. Each borough has forestry teams. Supervisor Franklin Sosa Velasquez works in Staten Island, assigned to the borough's forestry team. His pandemic was spent all over Richmond County. He was asked what his job entails. 
as a climber and pruner, we take care of the, the trees, hazardous trees, storm damage, yeah, all, any phase of tree work. So what changed in your job? Really, not much. I mean, the pandemic, if we're going to talk about the office here, it kind of helped a lot because this place wasn't cleaned that much before. <laughs> Once the pandemic, everybody went crazy cleaning, so it was a good thing. And uh, we used to work and have, let's say, two men in each truck. We had a have more trucks so everybody had their own space, you know, try to keep social distance. That was the main change pretty much, social distance and try to keep a, everybody's space clean, you know. I guess the spring is your busy season? No, nah, we're busy all year round. Busy all year round? Yeah. Okay. And wasn't there a storm during the pandemic too? Yes, I, I believe I say yes, yes. What, how, how many trees were damaged in your, in your area? Um, there was a lot of trees, I don't know the exact numbers, but uh, yeah. We had a decent amount of trees, yeah. We so there was a pandemic and a storm? And a storm, yeah. We were busy the whole summer. We were working 12 hours for nonstop. We worked 30 something days straight for that storm. 30 days straight? Yeah. 12 hours a day? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot. Franklin is talking about the after effects of Hurricane Isaias, which came through New York City August 4th and 5th, 2020, as an intense windstorm. It was so strong that five trucks on the Verrazano Narrows Bridge were overturned. It was really bad for trees. Queens lost more than 3,000. It was the second worst storm for trees since Superstorm Sandy and in the middle of a pandemic. We went to northern Manhattan to meet Park Supervisor Philip Walker, a lifelong New Yorker. He grew up playing in Manhattan parks and playgrounds, and now on the District 12 team, he works in them as a park supervisor. Tell me about the park we're in right now. What what is the what are the features of uh, uh, Washington Park? Well, Fort Washington Park is actually kind of in a unique space. Um, it stretches from the tip of northern Manhattan um, down to about I want to say in the mid fifties uh, Fort Fort Washington Park, where it connects with Riverside Park um, in Midtown. Um, it's strictly along the um, the waterfront, along the Hudson River. Um, you have a lower bike path. You have an upper bike path. You have several playgrounds. It has nice sweeping views here of um, the Palisades in New Jersey. It's a very unique spot. It's um, you know, it's 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 kind of a narrow strip of the western edge of Manhattan. At any time during the two years, did you were you self-reflective and say, "I'm living through history"? Absolutely. Like I said, I, I compare this to September 11th as far as my life, as far as you know, things that I've seen and witnessed myself. Um, other than that, Hurricane Katrina, different things like that. I definitely compare that to, um, you know, people that witnessed history and large-scale events that changed, I guess, society. There, I mean, there's also there's also um, the big windstorm mm-hmm. in the middle of it. We're on lockdown and there's a windstorm. How many, you were pretty high up. Were there a lot of trees that lost around here? Um, one of our parks is actually the highest point in Manhattan. It's uh, uh, Bennett Park. It's, it's actually the highest point in the borough of Manhattan. And it, it, it I mean, the, it demolished that, the, the windstorm demolished that park. It, it was tough. So um, we had to get creative. I mean, we have a, a crew of forestry where they go around, they, they're great. They chop up the trees, they grind them up, they get rid of them, but they were swamped. So we had to come up with natural solutions to ourselves. I mean, we, we drove a garbage truck into the park. Um, the garbage truck has a chain and a winch. I mean, we were winching the, the trees into the, gar- into the garbage truck. We just had to come up with all kinds of solutions to, to get these things cleared and opened. And, and this is during the pandemic. Like, we were just getting creative. Why, 
I want to ask about that because I've met others in parks and other divisions mm -hmm. that um, can be creative, can pivot, mm -hmm. can go from teaching basketball to running a food distribution, <laughs> you know, center. Um, why is it? That, how is it the parks gets these kind of folks like yourself that can like turn on a dime and <laughs> get creative? Like, what is it? I think, I mean, it's part of the job itself. I, I don't know if everybody comes in that way. I, I think as you grow and learn in the agency, I think it, it kind of forces you to. Um, because, I mean, we deal with the public and we deal with the biggest city in the country. So things change at the drop of a hat, you know, literally. At, at any given time, something could change your day. Like, I try to plan my days when I come to work. And, you know, sometimes that works. Sometimes five different things could could make it go left right up or down so you just never know so it forces you to become you know someone who can change who can pivot who can wear many hats who can wear different hats that goes back to what we've talked about in other shows about this flexibility this parky spirit that you come into work thinking you're going to do one thing and you end up doing something else like co-hosting a podcast <laughs> Our last parkie to speak to in this episode is Leah Tolley of the stewardship team. Part of the downside of the pandemic was that the agency had to suspend all volunteer days, park planting events, and days with the public to plant and care for our parks together. Leah is part of the Forestry, Horticulture, and Natural Resources Group, where she has worked for about six years. She's one of several parkies I met who came to New York City Parks after volunteering with the AmeriCorps program. We met in a conference room next to Central Park, which I regret because it's beautiful outdoors. She was asked, when did you start getting volunteers again? I think in about end of June, July. Yeah, and even then, we started with very small events of just like five or so people. And it was all kind of based on the rules about like how many people were allowed to gather. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, at first it was just like very small groups. And where'd you go? What'd you do? Um, I mean, we went all over again. Like I, I was trying to look through my phone through pictures earlier and I saw we were at like Inwood Hill Park. Um, and that, I remember, we were doing events pretty regularly, um, digging up a plant called goutweed. And that was cool because during the pandemic, like lots of people had kind of rediscovered their parks or discovered their parks for the first time. And so there were all these people that had suddenly gotten like really passionate about their parks that now were learning about our program and were really excited to get to actually work in the parks. So especially like at Inwood, um, I met this volunteer, Olivia, who had basically She'd been coming to Inwood every day, hiking around, like also doing all this research on the history of the park. And so she knew so much about the park and was so excited. And like, yeah, she came to every single event we had. And that was nice too, because I think for a lot of us at that point, we hadn't really been able to have a lot of social interaction. Mm -hmm. Even myself, like I've been really lucky to get to go to work, but still like I was with my same, you know, four coworkers. Mm -hmm. So just getting some new people to talk to was really nice. And then for people to have, yeah, like this, new way to appreciate the park, I think, was really special. Do you think you picked up more volunteers because of the pandemic? Yeah, I think we, we got a whole new group of like people that had discovered their parks during the pandemic, yeah. Leah and her team are still in the field today running stewardship projects. New York City Parks Online has dates for citywide nursery gardening, forest restoration, and street tree care fine episode today, and I'm glad we got to tell people more about the inner workings of our agency, not just from the pandemic era, but today as well. A lot of facts today. You made my head hurt. And we got a poetry reading. 
Thanks for listening to our show. Thanks, everyone, for the support and feedback our podcast gets. Please share this with your friends and family. Thank you for listening to the New York City Parks Oral History Project podcast. It is produced by New York City Parks Media Education. Our hosts are Diana Baker and Kevin Fitzpatrick. Our producer is Igosa Agbo. And our sound engineer is Eddie Hall. Our executive producer is Joy Wang. Original theme music, A Stroll in the Park, is composed and performed by Brett Meany. And the show's soundbed audio is composed by Shaquem Hill-Wasse. I am announcer, Zach Lella. Our next episode will be focused on the summer of unrest and social justice in parks and how the agency was in the middle of events happening around the world. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And please, like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your friends and family. See you in the parks.